Who listening here is an overpacker? You know, the kind who has to sit on their suitcase in order to get it to close, or you need somebody to hold the zipper shut for you while you zipper a bag closed or something like that. I'm not usually an overpacker. I have occasionally been, but I think I have done that with this episode. We get into the part of Esther today that everyone knows and loves, but it's a it's a big chunk of scripture, so we're going to get right to it. Welcome. I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. This is episode 204, and we are going to pray today through the most famous part of the book of Esther. But before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about life and about prayer. I can say, I think every single week right now that, man, I am working a lot of hours right now, and I did not get as much done at home last week as I wanted to. But I'm learning a few things, having taken on a few a full-time Uh, work hours when I was already working full-time. I've learned we do a lot of things that really aren't important, and they can be dropped. Let them go. There's only so much that you can do, so we need to adjust our expectations to our current circumstances. Not what you could do last week, but what you can actually do today. And I say that because not only am I working more hours, But this is the end of the school year, and this is the busiest time of the year for us. For some reason, the end of the school year is busier than the beginning of the school year. There's all these extra things going on. And on top of that, I never feel well because it's allergy season. And so I spend about six to eight weeks just feeling constantly sick and not having the energy that I normally have. And that affects um, not only my physical energy, but my emotional and mental energy as well. And on top of all of that normal stuff, I think I'm dealing with some low to mid-level depression. So I just want to remind you today, that's the way my life is right now. But whatever situation you find yourself in, pay attention and listen to your body and your mind and your spirit and do what you need to do to be healthy in all of those things, both physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually as well. So if you need to do less for a season, change something in your schedule or ask for help, do that. Or if someone around you needs to prioritize their mental or emotional or physical or spiritual health, love them well by supporting them in that. My question for you today is, do you feel like you need to adjust your own expectations of yourself or of someone else right now for your health or for theirs? And I guarantee you, because mental health crisis numbers are at an all-time high, there is someone that you can love today that just needs to know you care. So who is that around you? All right, so let's talk today about the words we use in prayer. Some time ago, it's been maybe a year ago, I asked on social media a question about prayer. And I think the way I worded it was, what is your biggest struggle with prayer? And one of the most common answers, which surprised me a little bit, is I don't know what words to use. I'm never sure how to say something. So it's not what to say. That was a whole different issue that was pretty common as well. But it's, I don't know how to say it. It's not what I'm saying. It's, it's I don't know how to say it. 
And some of this comes from the idea that prayer is a magic formula. I put the right words in and then I get what I'm asking for. But it doesn't work that way. Uh, some of it comes from the idea that we have to perform a specific way before God. But if we think about prayer as communication, some of those difficulties melt away. So if I'm expressing my heart to my lover or talking to my child about his day, I'm going to speak honestly and authentically and respectfully in those relationships. I'm going to share my emotions and my thoughts. And talking to God is the same way. While certainly 100% we need to be respectful and honoring, He is more concerned with the state of our heart at any given moment than He is about the form or formality of our words. It is 100% okay to stumble, to backtrack, to be silent, to not know how to express what you need to say. So relax about the how. There are no special words required. So that's my prayer tip this morning. Let's start with worship. We have a longer than average, <laughs> longer than normal passage because I was only going to pull one verse out of here and, and then I just couldn't. So I, I went with the, uh, a <laughs> much larger set than normally I do. This is Psalm 34, 1 through 9. And it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. All right. So this kind of combines some of the ideas that I was just talking about. This idea that we do need to fear the Lord, but we can certainly express ourselves to him in very many ways. The psalmist cried and the Lord heard him. So let's just dig in. Let's, let's uh, go to God in worship this morning. Father, right now, we proclaim your greatness. And we, we ask that you would give—I <laughs> I had three sentences that wanted to come out at one time, and then I realized that one of them, I wanted to say, give me the right words to do that. So this is one of those places where I'm stumbling, and I, I want to express myself clearly to you, and I just don't have the words. You are great, and I can't come close to worshiping you the way that you deserve it. So just take what I have to offer this morning, knowing that it comes from a heart that wants to serve you, wants to love you and love others to the best of my ability. Help me bless you at all times. Let your praise always be on my lips. Help me to boast in you and not in others because you are so deserving of that attention. I'm grateful today that you are a God that is big enough that you don't require our performance. You simply require our heart, our submission and our obedience and our love. Help me to seek you out when I am afraid, when I am angry, when I am scared, when I am full of joy and expectation, no matter what the emotional state is I have going on inside, 
Help me to realize that you want it all and you are more than able to handle it all. No matter how deep those feelings go or how uh, raw they feel, you want us to express ourselves. I'm grateful that you are that kind of God, that you desire relationship. Honor you for that this morning. I love that you say that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and you rescue them. You have the ability to rescue us and you have the desire to love us so that you are willing and able to do that. We can taste and see that you are good. Pray that we would be ones who would run to you no matter what our circumstances or emotions, who take refuge in you, who fear you with a healthy respect and reverence, and yet know that you are our Abba Daddy, who longs to draw us close and be our refuge. As we turn to prayer this morning, this is a big passage of Esther. This is a lot of verses, and help me to communicate clearly, but also, Spirit, whatever direction you decide to go, guide me in that. This is your time, Father. We come um, with the expectation only of sharing it with you. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, teach us, guide us, love on us, whatever each of us needs today. I pray that you would uh, provide exactly that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... I said I was going to cover a lot of ground today. This is a general rundown of the story. Let me put the comments back up here. All right, this is a general rundown of the story. Esther is made queen. Mordecai overhears a plot to assassinate the king, and he reports that to Esther and saves the king's life. And then we get into the part of the story where Haman is elevated. We are introduced, uh, well, maybe he was, I guess he was introduced before, but He uh, becomes a big player in this story. He is elevated in status and power, and Mordecai refuses to bow down to him, refuses to recognize his position and his status, and that really ticks Haman off. He learns that Mordecai is a Jew and decides that I am not going to just destroy Mordecai. I am going to wipe out his entire people's. So he talks the king into making a decree to literally slaughter every single Jew and plunder all of what they have on a specific day. So this happens. The king issues an edict. It becomes law. The execution date is set. And Mordecai and the rest of the Jews go into public mourning. Esther hears about what he's doing. He's standing outside the king's gate in sackcloth and ashes in mourning. And she sends him clothes and she's like, what are you doing? Stop. And then we get to the famous part of the text where Mordecai and Esther go back and forth through a messenger. Mordecai says, go plead with the king for our lives. Esther responds, you know, I can't do that. I can't just go to the king. I'll die. Mordecai says, well, you're going to die anyway. (laughs) And if you don't do this, salvation will come from somewhere else. And she says, okay, I will do that. If I die, I die. So that's kind of the overview of the story. And we're going to get into some specific verses here. The first passage is Esther 2, 15 through 17. Esther was the daughter of 
of Abihel, Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had adopted her as his own daughter. When her turn came to go to the king, she did not ask for anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women, suggested. Esther gained favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Ahasuerus in the palace in the tenth month, the month of Tebet, the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all of the other women. She won more favor and approval from him than did any of the other virgins. He placed the royal crown on her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. All right, so at this point, we see that Esther has done her preparation. She has been in the harem for a year. She's gone through her things. It becomes her night to go to the king. She spends the night with the king, and he decides she's the one I want to be queen. He pleased her more than any of the other virgins. Aside from the fact, yeah, this I hadn't dwelt on the fact that this was a night. They come into the king. They sleep with the king. They spend the night with the king. They please the king. So, that's their that's their purpose that's their goal in this endeavor in order to uh, in order to be made queen esther wins the crown so to speak and that's what this part is about so let's pray father this whole situation is so maybe strange to our ears maybe a little bit surreal this idea that esther was taken from her home lived in this group of women of virgins that were there for nothing but to please the king. And then they spend the night with the king. He either, and and then, then they are kind of used goods and go to the other harem where they are just available for his sexual use whenever he desires. So Esther pleases him. But you also tell us in this text, she gained favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. So it was not simply the king or or her pleasing him sexually or whatever else went on that night in order to please him that made Esther gain favor with those around her. There was something about her, whether it was your presence or her kindness or attitude or uh, her, uh, you know, who knows? There was something about her that... made her gain favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. What I, I, I don't know exactly what that was. I could hazard a few guesses, but I ask for myself and for those listening that we would have that favor in the eyes of the people who are around us that will forward your work in, in this place, in where, whatever situation that we're in, in whatever a thing you need us to advance and whatever you part of your ministry part of your kingdom that you need us to advance that that we would find favor with the people here on that we run in, run across in order for that to happen okay i really feel like i'm stumbling over my words hope i know god you understand hopefully everyone else will too i want to be the kind of person who people find favor with not because i am for for righteous reasons. I want to be kind. I want to be full of grace. I want to see people for who they are and who you made them to be, not judge them on external appearances. I want to be the kind of person that draws people to you simply because something is different. And I feel like in some ways that that was um, part of what Esther had going for her. Father, none of us is perfect. 
certainly Esther wasn't. And um, though I didn't really talk about it this morning, I feel like, I guess I feel like talking about it right now. Certainly she was compromised by her culture and I am as well. I cannot live and be raised and brought up in this culture without being influenced by it. And while my life is this blend of your righteousness and my culture, I pray that your righteousness always wins. I pray that I would turn more and more toward that righteousness and that that would gain gain me favor in the eyes of those who are, are part of your plan for me on earth. When the crown that you give us is put on our heads, I pray that it would be this moment of joy for us, this moment of extreme gratitude, this moment of well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that what I do in my day-to-day living would lead me to that place. Okay, Esther 3, 5, and 6. We go on from Esther becoming queen. There's a banquet. She becomes queen. And then we get to this story of uh, Mordecai uncovers this plot to kill the king that's written in the king's presence in the book of good deeds. And we'll get back to that later in the story, not today on another day. So now we come to Esther 3, 5, and 6. It says, when Haman saw that Mordecai was not bowing down or paying him homage, he was filled with rage. And when he learned of Mordecai's ethnic identity, it seemed repugnant to Haman to do away with Mordecai alone. He planned to destroy all of Mordecai's people the Jews, throughout Ahasuerus' kingdom. Now, remember that Ahasuerus' kingdom was the largest the world had ever seen. It covered all of the known world. So essentially, this is completely wiping out the Jews. This is, this is genocide. So uh, let's pray about that for a minute. Father, we know that there is evil in this world. We know that you and your people have enemies in this world. And I pray right now that we would have, as your people, we would have the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to face those enemies, that we would have the awareness that that battle is happening every single day, that there are literally um, forces out there who would love nothing better than to eliminate all of your people. This is the, the classic good versus evil. We are in the midst of this battle all the time, and I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes to see where it is around us and help us know where we can serve in that battle or on that battlefield. All right, Esther 4, 10 through 16. We get to this famous conversation that Esther and Mordecai had. It's like this game of telephone, only they seem to have gotten it right. Here's how it goes. Esther 4, 10 through 16. Esther spoke to Hattach and commanded him to tell Mordecai, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned, the death penalty, unless the king extends the golden scepter, allowing that person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. 
Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. All right, so the, the, what we think of as the climax of the story, it's actually not, but this is what we think of as, as the climax because this is the part where, where we get um, stuck isn't the right word maybe, but that we are taught as kids or coming into the church. This is the part, this is the verses that we focus on, and there is a lot here. There is richness here. So, um, so let's just settle on this for the, for the moment since we have this. Father, this window into this conversation, I so appreciate it being here in Scripture. I appreciate the fact that we have this back and forth between um, (laughs) this person saying, first you have Mordecai calling on Esther to be a hero, a heroine, and saying, you can do this, you are here for this reason. I see this in you, use your position for good. And I pray that we have people around us that call out the hero and heroine within us in situations where we don't realize it, or we don't think it's possible, or we are afraid. In situations where we don't recognize the hero or heroine inside of us, let others call that out. Let others bring that forth. Move your spirit to bring people around us to support us in that way. But also, as they are calling forth goodness from us, the other part of Mordecai's comments are this thing where he says, I trust that God will deliver us somewhere salvation will come. But if you refuse this call on your life, you will be destroyed. Your family and your, your lineage will be destroyed, but the Jewish people will not. You will lose out. But, you, but, but the Jewish people will be saved. That ability to speak truth to us, even when we don't want to hear it. Maybe Esther thought that she could get away with not, uh, she had not revealed who she was, that she was a Jew uh, to anyone. Uh, earlier in the book, Mordecai had commanded her not to do that. She hadn't, no one knew. But eventually, Mordecai is like, you are going to not be safe. You will be killed like the rest of us. This ability to speak truth when that's, I'm sure, not what Esther wanted to hear. And so I I pray that you would speak, give people to us that would speak truth to us and give us ears to hear and listen to that truth and respond to that truth, respond to your spirit's promptings, even when it is going to be... um, dangerous for us, even when it's scary, even when it sounds like the opposite of what we would really want to do. I don't know how Esther was feeling or what she thought she would do, but being called out by Mordecai and choosing to honor this this, this position that she had with work for you, with saving her people, was a courageous step. And I pray that when we hear those things that we don't want to do, that you would give us courage to do them. They responded with three days of fasting. I pray that we would also not move into things 
rashly. She could have just turned and gone into the king. She didn't. She spent three days um, focusing on your purpose for her and on how she should accomplish this. I pray that we would also use preparation time before we jump into things that you, uh, even when you're saying go, help us recognize when that's a (laughs) prepare and then act or whether we need to act immediately. There's so many, there's other times in scriptures where you say go and we need to go. In this case, there was this preparation time. I pray that our heart would turn to you in prayer, in fasting, in conversation before we set out on work that you would have us do. You are not only our refuge, you are our wisdom. And so I pray that we would turn to you when we need it. Pray that we would turn to you in crisis. Pray that we would turn to you in small day-to-day decision-making. Certainly this was crisis. What more, how bigger could a crisis be? Your people are going to be, your entire ethnic culture and people are about to be eliminated. Men, women, children, slaughtered. Crisis of the biggest proportion, (laughs) like as big a crisis as I can imagine. And yet she didn't respond uh, out of urgency or emotion. She said, let's fast. Let's pray. And I pray that we would, that our first instinct would be to turn to you for help in crisis. There are a lot of things that we turn to in crisis. Help us recognize what those are in each of our lives, those crutches, whether it's other people or drinking or shopping or running away, whatever our normal crisis response is, transform that into turning to you for help, support, wisdom, love, courage, strength, and refuge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, friends, for being with me today. I so appreciate you being here. Uh, If you are watching the broadcast on the Grace and Gravel Road Facebook page, whether live or in replay, I am glad that you are sharing this experience with me. We'll be back again next Monday, 10 o'clock Central Time. If you're a podcast listener, thank you for listening to the show. The best thing that you can do for a creator is to introduce them to someone else. So if you would share the show with a friend that you might think would be encouraged by it, that would be amazing. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road. And my heart is, is that we do this, that we would hear God answer these prayers in our lives or see those answers in mighty ways, that we would grow in our prayer lives, but mostly that we would fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. <laughs>